Are you doing this work to facilitate growth or to become famous? Which is more important, getting or letting go? Zach, thank you for being here, brother. My pleasure. Let's do it. Let's do it. So if there was one idea, concept, something that's had the biggest impact on you, what do you think that would be? Um, well, this is obvious if you've seen my stuff, but it's obsession. Just that one that one beautiful word. Um, somehow I like fell into talking about it two years ago-ish, just naturally. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's an easy. I can go more into it, but yeah, that one so word. So why obsession? When I look back on my life and when I look at the people who've inspired me, it is the the through line through all the progress they had. And it's kind of when I talk to different creators who are trying to figure out what to talk about, the one thing I think is really important is having this missing ingredient, right? Something that people have always been looking for that they can use to, you know, achieve what they want to achieve. And for a lot of people, I think obsession is that ingredient. For me, it definitely was. And when I look back on the things I did, that was the the thing I needed. And I didn't always have someone in my corner kind of pushing me to obsess. And so I try to do that through my content. We view obsession in such like a negative light. Like when, when people talk about it, it's usually in a negative way. They talk about like Michael Jordan and the dark side of him. Do you think the the people who are obsessed are less happy with life or more happy with life? I think you'll have split answers. I think some of them will say it's not about being happy. You know, like it's about their mission more than mm -hmm. anything. Um, I think others would, and this is the camp I'm kind of in, is like that is where I get my my joy from. It's like following that obsession and making progress. And so it's a weird word, happiness, but I think it would be very split. I think for some it's, it's so, the, the pursuit is so painful that they would hesitate to call it happy but it is where they get their their joy, their purpose um, out of. It's an interesting perspective. It's something that I think Jordan Peterson changed my mind on because he was talking about how happiness is so fleeting. You need something, a greater sense of purpose above that happiness in order to keep you grounded and to keep you like moving in the right direction. 100%. Yeah. He has a great quote. Uh, one of his best is, you should be a monster. You ever heard that line? Absolutely heard that line. You should be a monster. I forgot the full quote, but it's so it's good. Just you look up on YouTube, Jordan Peterson, you should be a monster. Um, and that is like obsession. That is obsession. Yeah. I think it's, you should be a monster and then you should learn how to control it. Yes. Something yeah. along those yeah. lines. So what, do you, what, what, what would you say you're obsessed with? <laughs> People ask me that a lot. It's, it's sure, really yeah, hard. It's I, I don't always have a good answer for it. And the thing about obsession is when I explain it to people, there's it's more than one thing. It is there is a a thing you're obsessed with, an action, a core activity. Um, you know, if you're obsessed with podcasting, that could just be conversations, getting, you know, having a pure, real conversation. Um, and so there's the thing, and then there's the feeling, which is letting yourself obsess, letting yourself be completely consumed by it. Um, what I'm obsessed with, I, th I think it's a combination of of writing and design. And just creating things with those two tools, activities, yeah, at its core. 
it's kind of like what I've been doing. But I think it will change. I think you can have, I think obsession, people think it's like one thing, but I think you can have a lot of one things throughout your life. It's just that one thing can change over time and you can, you know, go into different paths. Writing and design, definitely two things I wanted to talk about in this episode. Yeah. Especially because when I look at one of the reasons why you popped off and obviously design's a huge element to that and we're, we'll definitely get into that, but the way that you write and the way that you the way that you write it's almost poetry to a certain degree and i don't think too many people would argue about that it's like almost like self development poetry <laughs> have you heard that before uh sometimes yeah it definitely is more like poetry than anything else especially like the instagram posts the short stuff i write um yeah cuz I, I try to make it sound I, I don't really think of it like poetry at all um i've just been doing those posts for like not that long in the grand scheme of things, but like four years. And so I just I just do them. I don't really think about them. But it is definitely more poetry where when I write those, I am like speaking them aloud in my head over and over and over to make sure that it sounds good when you, when you actually like hear it in your brain. And so, yeah, I do think of it in that lens. Have you done that for a while or only since you've been starting to um, speak the tweets into animations? No, for a while. Been, yeah, a while. like literally since... Since I started doing that type of writing, which is probably like three years ago. Take me through that process of writing. Like, what is, is it an idea that leads to you then sitting down and being disciplined and trying to come up with that format and that flow to it? Or do you have this daily practice, a way you go about it that then leads to the end result? Yeah, right now I am like the opposite of these people who there are a lot of creators who talk about like having systems and automation. I talk about this a lot too. I'm just, and I think I'll go through phases in life where I I do need something like that. But especially when you're starting out, I think it should be as pure and as real as possible. And so for, for my like system, it's really, it's really simple. It is just waiting for these short, like small pieces of an idea to come, taking that and then expanding from there. So like those posts I do, I will just be walking and have like the first part of it and I'll write that down in my notes app on my phone and then later I'll go and sit down and like expand the whole thing on it. And that process is really just like get the first line down and just keep typing. And then those take me like, (laughs) people would probably be surprised how long those take me. Like just the short like portrait style poetry, I guess you could call them posts. Sometimes it takes me like 20, 30 minutes. But But it's a fun game because like I posted one yesterday that I think is one of my best performing ever. And it deserved to be because I took the time to like piece it all together and say it over and over and over. And that makes more people share it and that makes more people read it. And so it's it's a fun game. What was that one? Do you, do you remember just the... Yeah, it was, um, it, was, um, it was something about uh, be impossible to define. And it was like really out there. It literally said in it to like fake your own death. <laughs> and like, and uh, I, I don't remember the whole thing, but it was, uh, it was very extreme but it just resonated with people. And uh, when I can do that, like I love that, that I can make content like that, that in there it literally says like, become famous, then fake your own death. Like it's <laughs> ridiculous, but it, the fact that I can do that is amazing. Cause a lot of people when they like, I, I wouldn't say, I've, I've, okay, I, I guess I've kind of blown up, but like a lot of people when they get bigger, they just become more normal to appeal to everybody. But I've kind of done the opposite and that's been fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a funny process. Cause I have to, like the, the videos I make too, like, um, the, our volume kind of goes up and down. I'm trying to get it really consistent and, and high volume. But, you know, 
they're really similar at the end of the day. So it's like, how can I make them really different? Just have to dial up different emotions and be a little more extreme. I think that matters. Has that process become easier for you with time now since you've been doing it for four years? The process of, you know, it's, you said it takes you 20, 30 minutes to write one of those things. Has that time span decreased with time or is has it always been uh, a similar process? I think the process has always been similar, but I've they've just gotten better. Yeah. Yeah. Like you anyone who looks at the right anyone who writes consistently and you look back, it just your old writing is so shit. And it's like that's just natural. Um so I don't know if I've gotten faster with it, maybe a little bit, but I just think it's gotten better. What would you say to that person who's in that first six months and they're starting to create content and it is still shit? Is it just stick with it? Is that the best advice you'd have for them? What I say, which is a little a step above stick with it, is I say like there's four steps. It's choose one thing you want to do, whether that's writing or tweeting or um, a podcast. Do it every day. Get better every day. And then wait five years. And the, the thing that people miss, people do the people do one thing. They do it every day. And they do wait five years. But the thing people miss is not getting better every day. Because that is like the actual hard part. It's if you're like a disciplined person, it is pretty easy to show up every day. Like truthfully, like you probably like podcasting a lot, right? You could do it every day. But the actual getting better every day, figuring out the one tweak, the one learning that one thing is hard. And most people don't do that. And that's why there's so many creators you see uh, on Instagram or Twitter or anywhere. They've been doing it forever, but they're just haven't grown. And it's because they haven't done that, that piece. And I think that people will see success and see something like what happened to you, which it was like slow, slow, so slow, sudden. Mm -hmm. And they'll think it's like you got lucky or it happened overnight, but it really was just you staying in the game long enough and Mm -hmm. iterating and getting to that point then that you would then be looked at to have this massive hockey stick type of growth. So it's an interesting perspective for people to just stay in the game long enough to get lucky. A hundred percent. And the thing that people... The big secret of how I took off with those videos is the first like 30 I made with the animated videos were just word for word things I've written, which is like, you know, I had years of data, years of content to go off of that was original, that was mine. And that is, in my opinion, those videos are about 80% uh, scripts, 20% animations. Um, However, I think an unbelievable animation can make the video, but those are hard to get. Um, It is the script. And so that's why it worked because I had the, all those years. And because I already had it, like I think I had 200,000 followers on Instagram. So that was like a good base to to go off of. What role did Pixar play for you <laughs> in, in that process of coming up with this idea that it's kind of taken over? Yeah, it has taken over. And I, I like I've told the story many times because I want the lore to be clear is um, I was inspired by, by uh, Naval who had done a few of these but just didn't do them at scale. And then um, I started doing them at scale and it really worked. And now there's so many people doing these. Um, It's actually crazy and uh, (laughs) it's wild. And um, yeah, it's been fun. I mean, so I have my own animation team that I manage and direct, right? And so when I started doing this, like it's been like seven months now, I think, since I started doing these animations. And uh, I just got obsessed with Disney and Pixar and trying to understand, even though ours are so simple, trying to understand just how they thought about things and do things. Um, you know, Pixar, people sleep, people obviously know Pixar, but it is insane 
how many hits they had in a row. They had two decades of hits where they never missed. Like that is unheard of for like a creative company, creative studio. Um, like think about it, Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., Bugs Life, Cars, my, uh, um, Wally. There's there's Just literally every up. single one was a hit and it was because the founder, his name, uh, Ed Catmull, he was first, his first obsession, his, I, I talk about this path of obsession a lot and I, uh, we could talk about that more, but one part of it is the pinnacle. You have this end dream. Our friend Danny, right? His pinnacle is to record a podcast in Madison Square Garden. You already know it. Yep. His pinnacle was to make a um, first animated film and they did it with Toy Story. And after that happened, he was kind of lost. He was like, I, I did this. Now what do I do? And then he became obsessed with building this creative organization. And, and that's why Pixar was able to last that long because he and Steve Jobs and, and John Lasseter, who were the, the founders, they were obsessed with the culture. And so, um, yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out how to get really good at because I want to do a lot more with the animation stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I've been obsessed with him and um, Disney. I've been reading Disney's biography. It's so good by uh, Neil Gab Gabler. Gabler, recommend it. Um, because, yeah, even though I, like, I, I'm very open, I don't make these videos myself, I have played a big role, I think, in you know directing and designing them um, because it, it matters. What do you think you've learned from Pixar? Just how to manage and work with creatives because it's the best thing in the world. Like that was the first time I really hired people and paid people to help me make content and it's the best thing in the world. Um, what Pixar was really good at, which I'm trying to get better at, is just giving their animators all the pieces to succeed. They would give their animators like everything so that they could create quickly and create accurately. Um, attention to detail, you know, on another level with Pixar. They used to talk about this thing called the perfect penny problem. Really funny story how, you know, think about a Pixar movie, how much is in there and how, how much detail is in there. And that the animators would obsess so relentlessly over like the perfect shade of a penny in the corner of the scene for like a second, right? And it's like, that is like, there's a line there where it's like too much. Yeah. And then it's like, how do you play with that line? Because our videos, you know, the one thing I try to stand by is the quality. Like if you look at our videos, it's really rare that it, it, there's like a typo or, or even the typo is not the biggest deal to me. If there is one, it's more just like the, you know, a blurry line or like something out of place. Um, I care a lot about that. And so, you know, when I am trying to build, bring people onto my team or, or help, um, you know, find animators in general, I always look at quality over everything because everything else can be changed. Everything else can be taught, style, et cetera. But, but quality and attention to detail and, and understanding that is, is hard to teach. And love is such a big part of that. Like, yeah, I, loving I love, the work. I love the ba Twitter ba banner you have, which is, um, I think it's a quote from the creator of Pixar, which is, we don't make movies to make money. We make money to make more movies. Disney, yeah. Oh, that's from yeah, Disney. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's love plays such a big role in that. And I wanted to ask you about discipline and its role with obsession. Because for me and a lot of things that I'm obsessed with, they, it comes from more of a place of love than from discipline. It doesn't require that daily grind because you're excited to work hard. And that was something for me that I learned through sports growing up. And it gave me that outlet, gave me something that I was excited to work hard for. And then I had lost that after I stopped playing sports. And it took me a while to find that thing again that I was excited to work hard for. 
what was that path like for you to find that those things for you that you were excited to work hard for? See, I, I kind of had a similar story where I, I stopped playing. Did you stop playing sports in college? Yep. Yeah, same story. And uh, I luckily was like falling in love with the gym. So I stopped playing soccer. Yeah. And so I didn't really go through that period, I feel like, without having the discipline. You know, like I wanted to go to the gym every day. Um, but it took me a long time to, I think, find – your question was, your question was, how do you find new things you love after you lose it? Essentially, Yeah. yeah. It's hard because I haven't, I don't know if I've struggled with it that much, but it's um, because I feel like I always had the things, you know, it was mm -hmm. just like, how do I get there? Because I had, you know, I had soccer and then I had, you know, my first business I was doing, which I didn't really like. And then I had, you know, a job I did before that. And it's just, how do I get to doing this thing, which I'm, I'm really just at like in the last year, which is like making content um, and writing and creating. Um, I don't know. I think it's trying a lot of things. I think it's, the one thing I'll say is uh, I love this quote by Paul Graham on this topic where he talks about uh, creating and finding work you love. Paul Graham's blog. Have you read it? Ever? I have not, no. So good. So. You got to spend a day and just yeah. go through all of Paul Graham. Uh, do you know who he is? I'm familiar with him. I think I've heard Tim Ferriss talk about him. Yeah, he's the bit. founder of uh, Y Combinator, which is uh, um, that it's like a startup incubator. They mm. started like Airbnb and Stripe, I think. Okay. So like, yeah. And he has a great post called… Uh, how to do what you love. Mm. And then he talks about how if you just create relentlessly, like create a lot of things, um, you'll find your way to what you love, kind of like a, a stone going through like a river. Like it will just flow there if you keep creating. And I love that way of putting it because that's kind of what I did. Like my early posts were so random, um, but I just kept doing it every day and I, I found my way to like things I liked. That's what I'd say. It's just creation at its core, right? Absolutely. And that's also great advice for someone who wants to create content, but they don't know what to talk about yet. Because mm -hmm. I find so many people have that issue. They're like, oh, I want to start doing this thing. But I, I either have so many interests that I don't know what to narrow down to, or I'm just kind of at a loss. So I think just it almost goes back to what we were saying before with like staying in the game long enough to get lucky. Like you just have to keep going and keep iterating to then find that thing that you love and that you're excited to work hard for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so let's talk about the Founders Podcast because so how I found out about it is I think you either tweeted something or retweeted something. And it was a conversation with uh, David Sen Senra, yep. David Senra and the guys from the Acquired Podcast. And it was a conversation on obsession was the title of the episode. And I think you either retweeted something or tweeted it out. And um, I decided to, to give it a listen. And all these guys were just talking about the biggest founders in history and the commonalities between them and their whole process of working. And then from that, I really fell in love with David's work on the Founders Podcast and going through the stories and these people in history who did these incredible things and chased obsession. What type of role has that podcast played for you? Because it sounds like, or it seems like that's something that has been a uh, mainstay for you. Yeah, I've been, I've been tweeting and stuff so much. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know where I posted about that specific episode, but it was great, especially if you like podcasting, right? Yes. Like you probably resonated with a yeah. lot of it. Um. Yeah, he's, he just skyrocketed in the last like year, his podcast. I think because it used to be like a private paid podcast. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then he made it public and um, he's just so talented. It, it is literally a podcast like about obsessed creators. Really, that's Absolutely, what it is. Which yeah. is like what all great founders are, I think. That's why he like, I love him. Like he like, uh, like um, he'll comment on my stuff some, or I'll comment on his and he'll like put the black flag. He like yeah, respects obsession. It. It's he definitely dope. respects obsession. Yeah, it's, it's sick. And uh, um, the other day I, I posted about, uh, I posted a picture and tagged him. I'm like, this is the founder section in the bookstore because it was business biographies. And I was just like uh, talking about how he owned that like section now mentally. And mm. then um, Patrick O'Shaughnessy, who he owns a company who they technically, I don't know if they own or they, they publish um, his, his podcast. Yeah. And um, it's under his brand. And he says how it's incredible how many people will hear these stories from these people. Like Edwin Land, right? Who was um, the founder of Polaroid. He really, he was like Steve Jobs' idol. Mm -hmm. um, he, so many people will know about Edwin Land because of, David Center's podcast way more than we'll ever read the books about Edwin Land, mm -hmm. which I think is amazing. And so it's kind of done that for me. It's like showing me different obsessed figures. He just makes it so easy. It's such a good value. It's you get these long books that take 10 hours to read longer. Some of them in, you know, an hour and a half and you get, he picks out the best parts, mm -hmm. picks out the best parts every time and delivers them with such good uh, energy. And so whenever I'm like a little, you know, bored or like need some motivation, I'll just like put that on. And it's just, it's literally like a motivational podcast, even though it's educational too, which is why it's so good. Um, he's done a great job. Um, really probably one of my favorite content creators who's just doing what he'll do forever. Yeah. You know, really, ra really rare. Yeah, pure obsession. Yeah. The reason why I brought it up is because for two reasons. One, that David's obsessed. Yeah. And that if every single podcast is essentially a story of obsession, like the first one that comes to mind is James Dyson. And he, I forget how many years it was till he had any type of success whatsoever with the vacuum or vacuum cleaner was the first mm -hmm. one. I think and so. I don't know. I think it was like eight years of him working every single day for from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. with no success. That is pure obsession. And that takes a different type of human to be able to do that. So my question off of that is, is obsession something that is nature or nurture? Like most things, I think it's a combination. I think uh, you look at these obsessed individuals and they just go through these life experiences when they're young that puts them in this environment to have this moment. Mm. This is like, I always bring things back to like this path of obsession because I just, I look at everybody and they all kind of follow it. But they, it all starts with this moment where they find this thing and they just absolutely fall in love with it. You know, Arnold lived in this ra random town, like, um, where was he from? Turkey, Austria? I forgot. Austria. Austria. And he just stumbles in this like old school bodybuilding gym. And like, what if he lived somewhere where the, he never found that? What if there, because back then, I don't think gyms were as big as they were now. What if he like grew up and did something else and, you know, became average with it and got a normal job and never became Arnold? Um, and so, you know, Steve Jobs was in a place, uh, uh, San Francisco, where, you know, computers were becoming a thing. He would join these computer clubs, mm -hmm. um, worked at a factory making computers. You know, if he lived somewhere else, maybe he never would have. And it's also a lot of these guys go on, I'm realizing they have very unique experiences when they're young. Like mm -hmm. Steve Jobs went to India for a while. Um, there's just so many stories of like, they just do these random weird things that give them a different perspective on life. So there's definitely that side of the um, the nurture. And then obviously there's the nature. There's just the, 
the wanting to be completely possessed by something. And I think there's part of that that is just who someone is, you know, from a young age that can't be taught. Um, so I think it's a combination. Absolutely is a combination. It's something that I learned through, I think, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. That's so much of like these people who do incredible things is unique, weird experiences when they're young. I think it was like Bill Gates was able to get his 10,000 hours in coding before he was even like 21 years old just because of time and place. And one of your favorite, I think it's a tweet, but from you is there's a thousand different yous if you were born in like a thousand different places. I know I'm butchering that, but something along the lines of touching upon the importance of environment. What role has the environment you set up here in New York played in your success? Oh, it, yeah, it's completely everything. Like, it's hard to explain too, but it's, uh, you know, before I lived here, I've lived only in New York for like two years. But before then, I was just kind of alone a lot, you know, doing stuff, creating stuff, running a business. Um, but then I moved here, and then especially in the last year, um, met a good group of guys, got an office um, I was telling you about um, with two other, you know, savage entrepreneurs, creators, and just having that be normal, having that be something like you're around every day is just insane. It's insane. Like you can't put a value on it. It changes, changes everything. And so, um, yeah, I wish I did it sooner, but at the same time, maybe I wasn't ready yet. Like I wasn't, I hadn't done enough to, um, even like provide value or be in that group, you know? Um, but I think you can find ways to do it no matter where you're at. Um, and you know, it could start online. It could start just meeting people online. But if you can do it in person, I think it's I think it's super super valuable. And if you can move to a city, I think it's super valuable. Yeah, such a great point. And just forcing yourself to see different things and, and forcing yourself to have some pressure on you. You know, to you know, New York's expensive city. Those are good things that you know. If you're debating doing, the, the answer is yes. I, in almost every case. Did you feel that pull to go to Austin with seemingly everyone out there? <laughs> this whole community that is in our world, um, essentially be down there. Was that pull pretty strong for you? Uh, kind of, um, especially last fall when uh, our friend Danny moved because yep. I went down with him. I've been there twice um, for like two-ish weeks each time. Um, and it's a really fun place. And if I wasn't in New York, I, I probably would be there. But I don't know. I don't really feel that right now. Right now, I feel like I'm in like the perfect place. New York is amazing because people are always visiting. And so it's like every single week, like you're here, um, every week someone sick is visiting and I get to meet them and talk to them. And that I don't think happens anywhere else, maybe Austin, but I don't know. The, just like the the grit and the energy here right now is is perfect for what I'm trying to do. So um, I don't feel that super hard right now. No. Do you think, do you, will you see that changing? You maybe. Think? Yeah, maybe. We'll see. we'll see. I feel like, yeah, we'll see. I like this quote, uh, this this kid, uh, he's he's not. I guess he's a kid. Uh, Caleb Simpson. Do you know that guy? He does no, the room tours so. on TikTok and oh, uh, yes, YouTube. Yes. Yeah, he crushes the content. He says like, yeah, I wanted to beat New York before I left it. So like, huh. I'm kind of I kind of have the mentality. That's like, a cool way. It's a great line. It's yeah, like it's I want to have like the nicest place I want to live. I want to you know have a huge network. I want to have enjoyed like fully it, and then I'll probably go off. I do want to travel a lot more though. I haven't traveled much, but um, yeah, New York for a while. Let's go through that path of, of of obsession, and I want to highlight one part in particular, in particular, 
and that's the the dark the dark part. Yes, I think it's. Uh, I love that you know it. Number three <laughs> of Act One. Damn, you researched. <laughs> I feel like that. Well, that it stuck out to me so much because I understand it, and I understand that that's that's where things get hard. Because at first, it's um, you start getting the the wins, the early wins, and the and then you enter into the valley of despair, where not much is happening and you're putting in a lot of work and it's hard to overcome that and to keep going so let's let's just touch on let's go through all of them and then we'll highlight um the dark part sure so i have to remember them it's bad if i don't remember it <laughs> you have there's seven parts it starts with the moment the moment the moment you fall in love with your obsession then you have the vehicle which is you know what is the first thing you're packaging that obsession into? For example, if you love having conversations, maybe you start a podcast. That is your vehicle. Uh, I loved writing. I put it into, you know, writing shit on Instagram. Mm -hmm. That was my first vehicle. Um, and then three is the dark place, which is like my favorite part. That is where like obsession is born. That is where it lives. One day I'll make like the best movie ever about the dark place. And it'll be amazing. Um, when the time is when the time comes. Because that concept is so good. That name is so, so perfect. The dark place. Um, yeah, it's perfect because it's like mysterious and confusing and scary, but it's like, I don't know. Anyway, where greatness is born. Yeah, it's where greatness is born. It's where you're alone. It's when, you know, you're the lone wolf and you're all on your own and you're just spending hours and hours doing this thing, hoping that it works, hoping that you'll get there. And eventually you get out of the dark place and it's great. And you go back when you need to. Like I was just watching the McGregor documentary, right? And that dude just goes in and out of the dark place all the time. And because, you know, he had such insane success and then failed a lot, went back to the dark place and then he, he came back sometimes. Um, and so it's like it's there when you it's there for you when you need it. It's there for you when you need to have that time um, to be in your own world. Um, yeah. And then after, what, do you know, four, I, I remember four, it. if I had my phone on me. Four, I think, is the. Yeah, I'm going to misphrase them because four, some of them I'm still working on. So none of this is definite. But I believe it's uh, four is the climb. It has to do with just like that's your journey up. Um, five, I believe, is the, the uh, sorry. Four is, I believe, the sacrifice. sacrifice. It's where you're really building and you have to give things up. And I think five is some version of the climb. Um, six is the pinnacle, which is that end moment, that big, big dream that you're obsessing for. Usually it should take decades. You know, this could be performing at Madison Square Garden. This could be selling your company, you know, for tens, twenties, tens of millions, hundreds of millions. Um, and then seven is the twist because most people, um, after they achieve the pinnacle, they go and do something else. Mm -hmm. Arnold goes and becomes an actor. Um, Ed Catmull, Pixar, he goes and goes from obsessing over making a film to obsessing over the company, Pixar. So um, you look at these, these icons and most of them have gone down this very similar path. How do you think people can, people who are chasing obsession, how can they not get caught into the, I'll be happy when I achieve X? Because I find so often that people, like there's this thing called gold medal depression for a reason, where Olympic <laughs> athletes, they are obsessing over this one goal for their entire life. And then they finally accomplish their goal. And they're like, now what? And they fall into this deep despair. How do you overcome that? And how do you, enjoy the moment while still striving towards heaven i like that name gold medal what was it gold medal, gold medal depression yeah it's so good but um i mean because obsession obsession is the thing that you obsession is the thing mm, obsession is that's the a prize great yeah 
And it's, uh, you know, it's hard though when you do have that pinnacle, the thing you're going for. Um, but a true obsession, I think, is something that you will want to do forever. You know, something you just want to do the thing forever. And so you have this pinnacle because I think it's good to have things that motivate you. Like I get motivated by numbers a lot. I just want to have get reached certain numbers. But I know it's just on to the next. And so, yeah, I don't think there's a good answer for that. I think it's hard, but I think it's just starting things, a core activity that you're going to want to do forever. And you can have that twist if you want to, but that twist usually comes. It's not even usually worth thinking about yeah. because in my opinion, it's something that comes after multiple decades. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And by Absolutely. then you'll want to go do something else. Yeah. So I think it's like pick the thing you truly are going to want to do for so long that you won't think about that depression. You know, I think that reframe is super important. Just the obsession is the thing. It's not the goal. Yeah. It's that, that process. It's yeah. doing that process over and over again. And I want to touch, go back to the moment. That first moment where you have the epiphany, if you will, that this is what I should be doing. This is what I need to be doing. Do you have that moment for you? I, it's it's funny. I don't know if I actually have it for me in mind. I think one day I'll figure it out and remember it. Um, but I always like wanted to make content of some type. I always was like attracted to and interested in people who had these audiences because I thought it was amazing that you could like share something and have it be seen by thousands of people. Um, from a really young age too. Like I have the word behavior act, which is the name of my Instagram in my notes from like 2017, which is like, that was two years before I even started posting. Um, and so uh, for me, I don't know if I have that moment. The moment, the big moment that changed my life was like stopping college sports. And for a lot of people, like I bet for you is similar. Like it changed everything doing that. I had like a whole world opened up, I felt like. And so things kind of started for me there. Um, and, but, but that, that, that was sometime after that moment, I'll have to, one day I'll figure out what that moment was. But for me, that was the dark place though. After I left college, that was like my specific dark place where I was just alone in the gym. I was, I went from like a nice, a really good school to like community college. I just had nowhere to go. It was just like me and my obsession. And that was it. Yeah. That two years where you had the name in <laughs> the notes, but yeah. you didn't act upon it. It's something that Danny brought up in my podcast with him. He was uh, kind of making fun of you. No, he actually. brought up about me? Yeah, yeah. About oh, really? Because we were talking about this idea of bringing the things in your head to reality. And he was saying that you had this name for two years, but it took you two years to act upon it. And he made the comment of how far would you be if you had started that immediately? And he was saying how the thing that he's getting better at is bringing the ideas in his head to reality. What was that like for you, that two years? Was that was it a voice in the back of your head that kept popping popping up? And then what was the 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 flip the switch that flipped? Yeah, that's funny. Danny was talking about that. Yeah, I I I totally believe it. It's like if you know you're gonna do something forever, you should just start it right now because it's going to be so bad when you start. But if you know you're going to do it forever, you're going to get better. And you might as well just start that process now. Um, but the key with that is it's something you'll do forever. Like I genuinely plan to write things on the internet or whatever version, whatever the internet's called in 30 years, forever. You know, uh, Danny wants to do podcasts forever. It's like, 
when you find that, everything else gets a lot simpler, I think. But those two years, uh, to answer your question, I that was when I started doing the, the photo booth company, right? My first business. And uh, I don't know why I didn't start the content yet. Like I clearly wanted to. I just think maybe I didn't feel ready or, or deserve it or didn't feel worthy of sharing that stuff. It took me a long time to even write under my own voice too. Like if you scroll back through my feed, it's all just quotes like in the beginning. Weird random quotes and like random content. Um, but that helped me, you know, over time. And now, like, I don't really post anyone else's stuff. It's just my yeah. my stuff. Um, yeah, and so, but I wish I didn't do that. I wish I just started my name, writing under my name earlier. Um, yeah. What, what really triggered it, I've told this story a few times, is I started seeing this girl who had, like, like 10,000 followers on Instagram. And I got kind of jealous. And, like, that was it. I just started. That's so dope. maybe it wasn't, I don't know if it was jealous. I didn't get jealous of, like, guys talking to her. I just got jealous of, like, um, her having that audience. I thought it was cool. And so it's like, you know what? She's doing it. I could do this. And so I started just posting stuff and just didn't stop. And that was it. Didn't stop. That's yeah, it either. I just, for some reason, I, and some people have it. It's just this rare, blind commitment to doing something for decades. And it is really rare, but you can tell it in someone when you meet them and when they talk about their mission. And it is everything. And my favorite people have it. It's the enthusiasm. The enthusiasm. And it is blind commitment. Like blind. Like you're not even looking. You just know you're going to do this activity forever. And, you know, you'll figure out different different vehicles, different ways to put that, that core activity into things. Like all I want to do literally is talk about obsession for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And maybe that will change. It probably will. But as of right now, that is what I would like to do forever. And so now it's just about like, how do I spread that idea? What different mediums do I put it in? What, you know, what companies do I start? What movies do I make? And this all sounds so extreme right now, but you know, these are decades. You have a while to do this stuff. People think too small. Yeah. Like it's so crazy. And I always bring up this story of like me starting in the podcast. And the best thing that happened to me in this pursuit was the first guest that said, yes, had a hundred thousand followers. Because before that point, I thought it would be impossible to get anyone on the show with any type of following whatsoever when I was first getting started. And to have that limiting belief shattered was everything. And then that opened my mind up to all these new possibilities. What were some limiting beliefs for you in that pursuit, in that two-year mark of the time before you took action? It's so hard for me to remember that time. It, <laughs> yeah, was, it was almost 10 years ago. Wow. But... Um, it was just actually it wasn't ten years ago. It was more like, well, like six ish. But anyway, it was like the limiting beliefs. I think. I mean, I was going from just like this skinny lost soccer player to like building myself, literally and physically, uh, like mentally and physically. And I think the limiting beliefs were just like wondering if I could do it, you know. And mm. like, um, I think I idolized like these content creators so much when I was younger, you know. So it was like I didn't feel worthy of putting myself up to them. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I think that, I think that's the answer, you know? And it took me a long time. It took me like my whole thing and which I'm still figuring out and, uh, you know, going inwards and figuring out, you know, why I'm doing the things I'm doing, but it's just, I had a lot of lack of confidence as a kid and failed a lot. And so now I've set these extreme goals for myself to make up for that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm just starting to like go deeper down that path and understand 
uh, what I just said, because that's like a big sentence, what I just said uh, deeper, but at its core, that's what it is. And, and now it's about, okay, how do I understand that more and, and do the right things based off it, which, you know, I'll figure out over the next <laughs> years of my life. How are you developing that awareness to become more thoughtful about the, where your drive is coming from and where some of your behaviors stem from? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. Right now, it's hard. Like, I'm yeah. in, like, my life is kind of like a whirlwind right now. Like, I just in the specific, like, last few months, probably the next month or so, where there are so many opportunities coming at me and so many people who want my attention and mm -hmm. help. And it is hard to have that time to help yourself, you know, when you're trying Absolutely. to help everyone else. And so I'm getting better at, like, I'm not used to um, having this much stimulus. What's the right word? so much, so many triggers that want my time and attention. I'm not used to that. A year ago, it was very different. Um, but it's like, it's, now it's like every single day I have to make a really important decision about what I'm going to work on, who I'm going to work with. And and so it's been hard. I, I try, I preach a lot about, you know, turning off, like turn on, work out hard, go for a run. But then also you have to turn off, like go sit in the sauna, go for a walk. Um, but, you know, I don't do those things every day sometimes. Yeah. I, I need to because when I do do it, I feel so much better. Um, just getting away from the phone. Very hard to get away from the phone. Get away from the phone. And uh, it's super hard. Yeah. But if you can do it, I think that's really all it is. Getting away from the phone. Yeah. It truly is like, it's all it takes sometimes. It's just... But it's wild, how very, it's wild how few people do it. Truly is wild. And it's something that like, I'm a victim to as well. Like it's, it's hard to switch that, switch that off. It's the most insane thing. How addicted yeah. everyone is. And like, I'm completely addicted right now but like probably more than ever honestly and so i'm working on it and yeah. i'm i'll figure it out but it's uh that is like the one of the like the you like the modern day cigarette like the most obvious thing that's fucked up is just how addicted everyone is it's crazy it's crazy um Something that no one talks about people no talk about it but not really it's just like accepted it's accepted that's yeah. it. like you go to gym like i go to I go to a very like normie gym, like lifetime. And yeah, it's like, yeah. I'll go at like weird times sometimes because like I just, I do. But I'll go at like 11 a.m. And I, I really try not to work out without my phone. I Probably 50% of the time I do. But you go and it's just head down on the phone the whole time. It's like the gym is just a new place to scroll. It's not, you're not even there to work out. It's just to like mix up the environment to scroll and, you know, get, get some sets in for breaks between scrolling. Oh, it's like crazy. Like go to a normal gym, like, at a go to a normal gym and look around especially like at like an off time and it is wild mm -hmm. um it's wild how many people are on their phones i tweeted one time working out properly turns into meditation and danny miranda commented i know that zach would agree with this 100 percent. and uh i think it's just for that reason when you don't have your phone and you're putting in the work and that's all you're focusing on it turns into that meditation yeah, and like I, I obsess over this honestly lately is like how do you put yourself in these situations to get these great ideas, mm. right? Like live a creative life. That's what I've been saying to live people. It's life. like don't – I'm not a fan of like these content systems, these content templates. Screw all that. Like the thing I wrote – excuse me. The thing I wrote yesterday, one of my best posts I've ever written was just natural, came to me. That one was a weird one. That one I just sat down and tried to write something. Usually doesn't happen like that. Mm. Usually it's I'm out doing something and like I get an idea. Um, I'm also like, so yeah, on that point, it's like, 
how do you create these opportunities for yourselves to have these ideas and have these ideas come to you? Because your best ideas, almost never, in my opinion, you'll just sit down and write it. Like yesterday, I sat down and wrote something good, but who knows where it came from? It could have came from something else completely. I couldn't even tell you where I started writing from. Just, just did it. But usually, the best ideas, the ideas that really change your life, they don't. You will never just sit down and write them. You'll never just sit down and think of them. You have to go out into the world, do things, put your body in, literally physically put your body in different situations, and these thoughts will come to you, and you'll figure out what to do. Maybe it comes from a person. Maybe it comes from you run up a hill on mile three of a run on a hot day. And yeah, and so those things, working out without your phone, running, jogging, walking, it's really important if you're trying to be a creative. Really important. It's not talked about enough. And you brought it no. up earlier, just talking about how, why you simultaneously built up your mind and your body. And that was really one of the biggest things for you that flipped the switch. How related do you think those two things are? The same thing, really. Yeah. You know, they're the same. Yeah. It's like, it's everything. Yeah. Like I'm, especially the running. Like I started running a lot because I'm like neighbors with Casey Neistat. Yeah. And, and Hunter, our friend Hunter Weiss. Mm. And they just run like savages. And um, especially Casey. It's insane. Because he's like, it's insane how many miles he puts in. And, um, but I think for him, I don't know, but like, it is literally a drug. Like I feel differently throughout the day. Like, today I'm feeling good. It's because I ran this morning. And mm -hmm. like when I don't run, I just feel shitty. Yeah. So it's like um, that is totally mental. You know, like it stays with me the whole day if I, if I run. It's so mental. And it's something that I don't think people realize enough, especially if you're dealing with like things like depression or anxiety. Mm. Like, to a degree, you can out train your anxiety. If you're really <laughs> putting in the work, I know that there's levels to it, and I, I don't mean that as a blanket statement. In a lot of cases, if, though. But in a lot of cases, just good sleep, good diet, and training like a motherfucker will do more for you than anything else. 100%. 100%. But yeah, that's what I tell people with working out. Like Some people work out to stay in shape. Some people work out to like be happy. But the main reason I work out and like try to do this stuff right now is to like literally just be creative and get ideas that I need. Like right now, I need ideas. That is what I need more than anything. And so I feel like that will come when I do that every day. And they have. Like especially a few months ago when I was really going hard with the videos, it was super hard to come up with those videos every day. Even though they're short, like… It's hard. It's hard. And the script is everything, like mm -hmm. I, in my opinion. Like the animators are amazing and my animators are incredible and like I said amazing animation too can which they are often really amazing can save a video but it comes down to the script it comes down to what you say and what you write and it's hard to come up with that much stuff yeah definitely is and carving out that time to be creative is so important because like you look at this is not something that I didn't realize how prevalent it was and how hard it was to resist is that when you start creating content and start putting yourself out there, the pull and the dopamine you get from, like even for me right now, I started creating on Twitter like three months ago, four months ago, and just the excitement of writing, writing something, putting it out to the world, and then constantly opening that app and seeing what other people are saying about it. It's hard to create time, it's hard to carve out time to be creative when you're constantly consuming. It's super hard. Yeah. I uh, 
it's super hard. I struggle with it probably more than anybody. Especially like I get notifications all day and I get like cool notifications. Not yeah. that not that you don't, but like <laughs> no, I, I get like so many interesting people <laughs> who are like messaging me and it's like really it's really addicting. Especially on Instagram, you have like the verified notifications. Yeah. So I'll just check those like usually once a day. Cause like, oh, it's like my childhood soccer idol. Follow like follow me. <laughs> like like, like uh, what's his name? Follow me. Mario Goetze, who's like I don't know if you watch soccer. I don't really watch soccer, but I just know he was like a legend on Germany, uh, Germany's national team. Um, anyway, and yeah, it's super hard. I think one day I'll just figure something out and just turn off. I've debated like on following everybody, mm. but I just feel like those are like temporary solutions. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but it's hard. I, I I've been thinking a lot about like the consumption thing. Um, and Naval has this great quote. It's like uh, when you're listening to podcasts, when you're going to seminars when you're reading books you're just deciding you're just wondering if you want to do this thing that's and i think that is so true like you're trying to figure out if this path is worth it more than you're trying to learn the path i think when you really committed to the path 100% you just go and do it mm-hmm. and so yeah like you'll listen to certain things that are like very specific to your path but i think when you're over consuming right you just don't know what to create and so, yeah, I think about that a lot recently because I've been going through that. I've been kind of like yeah. deciding where I want to put my energy because um, I have a lot of options. And when I go through periods like that, I notice myself consuming a lot more versus when, okay, I know exactly what I want to create. I know exactly what I want to make. I just, I don't need anything, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You just take action. You don't focus on the Yeah, you the don't need limit. anything. Yeah. Don't need anything. That's an know? awesome quote from the wall. Yeah, it's like the best. I, yeah, it's a great quote. Because um, yeah, I noticed myself totally. Like, I used to listen to a lot more podcasts and like mm-hmm. YouTube videos than I do now. And it was because I just wasn't creating as much. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and now it's a lot less. But I'll, like I said, I'll go through periods. Have you felt the pull to, I mean, with gaining 1.3 million followers on Instagram and you have all these people like you described that are DMing you and following you, has... Has it gotten to your head at all? Or have you felt that ego start to build up at all? No, I don't think so. And probably just not yet. I probably should have a little more than I have. <laughs> like, because I I probably should have a little more. I don't think it has. Um, like, I don't really think about it. I don't think it has. Do you think it has? I don't I, I don't think so. No. Like, I, don't, I think I, no, I could be so much more of a douche and it would be <laughs> validated. But no. Because I also don't really. It's also like… I would say only a smaller percentage of the people actually follow it, like and actually know like Zach. It's still like there's a different username. Mm. I don't show my face that much. I'm trying to show it more, mm. but it's so so. It's also like there's a little degree of separation where it's like people care about my ideas, right? Like the, most of the people there are there for just my ideas and my writing and my videos, not for me, you know. But I mean, that's hard to say. That's like mm. every creator, right? Absolutely, very right? hard to say. Yeah. So it's like, but no, I just. I don't think I have. Yeah. I don't think I ever will because I just feel like it's still so small. It needs to be so much bigger. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. Are, are you feeling that? Like, Do you think you will change the account from Behavior Hack to Zach Porgov? One day, probably. One day. Yeah, well, probably. At this point, though, I don't think it matters. Yeah. Like, I just… Why? It's whatever. Why? Yeah. It's like so, a bunch of people tag me already there. It's like, why make it harder for them? Just… Maybe. We'll see. I mean, Instagram has been around a long time. So, like, my main goal is to not, like, what's the right word? 
not need it? Not drop the bag. Oh, like, okay, okay. Like not spend another two years just like putting stuff out on Instagram and not sending the traffic to yep. using the using that audience the right way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, because I don't think it will be around forever. Yeah, agree. Um, and so like I'm really pushed trying to grow my newsletter, Twitter. Like around six months ago, really all I had was the Instagram. And so, right? Like mm-hmm. I, was, I had the Twitter, a small audience yeah, on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. But I had like four, maybe, I really didn't have a lot. I think I only had like, I don't even remember what it was. 3,000, 2,000, 4,000 on Twitter. Um, and I was like, all right, this is dangerous. Like <laughs> if you lost the Instagram, you're kind of fucked. And so now I have like, I think newsletters like 12,000. Twitter is like 20,000. So that's like good. Like I'm like, all right, if I lost, if something happened to the Instagram, it would obviously suck, but like, I'd be fine. Like that's mm-hmm. good enough. Like, egg. Um, what was your question? <laughs> Honestly, I don't remember. I, I was too present. Listening. Ask me something else. <laughs> I, I don't remember. So I want to ask you about like monetizing that audience. Mm. And you did that cool collab with ten thousand. Yeah, that was fun. Um, that was fun. That shirt fits so well. You got one? Sick. Yeah, I have one. It my fits. guy. It's like my favorite fitting shirt. Um, but how how do you go about thinking? How do you monetize this audience? Yeah, I've been. It's probably been my biggest challenge. Like I've been trying yeah. to figure it out and the right way to do it. Um, gotten really lucky, like because it just got so big that had some really good sponsorships. We did this fall, which are not this fall, this spring, which have been like they paid pretty well. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've been hesitant to monetize. I really, I've been posting for four years. I've only monetized a few times, literally. Like I sold merch a few years ago. Um, did this collab with ten thousand. Um, I think it's just because I'm just like a servant mentality. Like I just want to make stuff for them. Um, And so for me, it's like, how do I, I have this core thing, this core truth, which is obsession, right? And how do I package it into the right things that helps people while still makes me money so that like that Walt Disney quote, we make money to make better movies. How do I do that? How do I get enough money to just make better stuff and have that cycle just repeat and repeat? You keep building the idea around obsession and that builds the companies that are around. You keep building the idea, the content around obsession and that builds the companies around obsession. And it's just this beautiful cycle, right? Kind of like Disney. That's what they mm-hmm. did. They keep told them, keep um, making better movies and better content and people go to the amusement parks and they buy the toys. Um, and so I've been trying to figure that out. And it's, I think a lot of it will come with partners, launching businesses with partners because... I'm like the mentality, I'm just going to start things, do it all myself because that's how I did my last company. Um, but I'm learning that that is just not feasible with mm-hmm. multiple projects. And uh, the best in the game are all doing it with partners. They launch a lot of things. You look at someone like Jocko Willink, right? He does so much shit. Mm-hmm. He's doing it with partners. He has killer partners. Um, uh, I did just launch, I don't know if you saw, I launched this private community. Um, did you see that in my email? I did see that, yes. Yeah, and so that is... Uh, I, I launched that pretty subtly, only in the email so far. It's doing really well. Um, that's the first time I've ever did done something like that, where it's really just for like essentially creators who want to be around other obsessed creators mm-hmm. and and grow their audiences, um, giving them you know access to me and different like short courses um, and access to each other. That is going to be interesting. We're going to see how that goes because um, I never done something like that, but I kept getting. I have like this strong community built already, so I think um, that could be a cool way to do things. Um, that's called the Arc. I, I don't know. When are you going to post this? Probably not for a week or so, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it will probably be closed then because I'm going to close it down. But you could check it out. Enter the arc.com. And uh, yeah, but that's what I said before. It's like, 
how do you do it in a way that you focus on the content and you focus on the companies and they help each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how I'm thinking of it. It's an interesting dilemma that like content creators go through because you have to lead with value. Like to do anything of substance, you have to be leading with so much value and you can't be leading with trying to make money. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting balance and you don't want to like lose that trust with your audience because so many people make these courses that are debatably bullshit in many respects and are charging $1,000 per course. And I'm sure that they're making tons and tons of money. Uh, but at what cost? Like at what cost are you losing that audience as a result? Yeah. And the key thing I never want to do is like, I never want to be talking about my products all day. Yeah. I just hate that. Like with this community, the way I'm going to do it is like, it's open four times a year and that's it. Mm-hmm. So, I, And I, I will probably rarely talk about it on social. Mm-hmm. It will just be like in emails because I just, I don't like doing that. I, I just, just want to make stuff for you. And uh, maybe that's a bad thing in some ways. It probably is. Like you have to talk about what you're building to get people to know about it, obviously. But I don't know. There's some purity to that. There's some like trust built with that. You know, it's also, you know, you really have to believe in what you're selling too. You know, you have to sell things you really love. And uh, I did merch in the past, like three, four years ago when I just like didn't fully believe it. And so obviously it didn't sell well, you know, because I, I didn't want to push it. When are so, we going to get uh, Madhouse NYC? <laughs> I don't know when that will happen. That'll be, we'll see. It depends. The thing is, life changes fast and, you know, exponential opportunities exist. Like I had one half, my life completely changed in the last six months. So I could say, you know, three years, but um, Madhouse NYC, for anyone who doesn't know, it's probably most, is a uh, my version of the Soho House, like a hardcore Soho House for the obsessed no posh like dinner. You go. To, have you ever been to Soho House? I have not. No. I've been to two of them. Just as guests, they're very posh. They're like these fancy dinner co-working. It's kind of like if you combine Hunger Games and rework. That's what <laughs> Soho Games House is. Rework. Yeah, that's what Soho oh, House is. Too funny. And it's uh, it's very posh. I don't really know what you do there. You have like tea, with business people. That's it. And like, I, just, I don't know. I think I, these in-person environments are really cool. Absolutely. And so building some type of co-working gym compound for obsessed creators, entrepreneurs would be really cool. Um, and, you know, have a badass gym, open co-working area, um, really healthy foods. It would be cool. So one day I'll do that. Um, it's just a matter of when that's part of like the world. Like I said, you have this core idea obsession and now it's just building out everything around it, mm-hmm. doing it in the right way, not messing up this core thing, still talking about it every day. And uh, we'll see. It'll take years, maybe decades, but make it happen. It's a great idea for like multiple reasons. But like when you're, when you are that person who's obsessed and you're chasing that thing that everyone else thinks is crazy, it's hard to relate to other people. Because by definition, you're uncommon. And then as a result, uncommon people are uncommon to find. So finding those people who you can relate with on a deeper level and actually want to be around are hard. And I think that's something that a lot of people who aren't creating content but are with the mindset struggle with. Because I find when you start creating content, you start then as a result to build these relationships. But when you're not creating content and the only people you're interacting with are the normies, as you, as some people would call them, uh, it's hard to foster those very genuine relationships with people who are aligned with you mentally. Yeah, I mean, I, I have friends who are just like completely, you know, they're not really, I wouldn't call them obs- 
obsessed. Yeah. Um, and they're just, you know, they're not making content. They don't have businesses. And yeah, you, you need to surround yourself with those people, obsessed people, mm-hmm. like mission-driven people. doesn't mean you can't be friends. I don't like the mentality, like shut the other people out, like be friends with them, enjoy their, your time with them. Um, but just like mentally remember who you are, you know, don't let yourself like, it happens with relationships a lot. It's helping with me in relationships is if you're with a girl who's, you know, just like most girls, they're not like obsessed, hungry, mission-driven people. Some are. Um, and it's up to you whether or not you want to be with someone like that. But it's uh, you can feel yourself slipping sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like the what's the right word? Chameleon boyfriend, where you just like blend in and become like them. It's a great. Term. And yeah, it's a great term. And I've I've done that in the past, and uh, it takes time. You can do it mentally though. You just you have to mentally live in your own world at all times. And this is like one of those things that's really hard to teach, but it's like when you are at family gatherings, when you are on first dates, when you are. And this is where I start to almost sound kind of toxic, I feel like. But this is just who I am and this is how I've operated. Is you have to remember that there is a mission and it exists in your head. And you cannot let it go. Because if you let it go for too long, then you lose it forever. And I get like goosebumps talking about it. But it's, it's so true. Because that voice, it only exists in your head. And if you let it die, if you let it go away, it will be gone forever. And that is the scary part is losing it forever. Because it's hard to get back if you do actually lose it. It's hard to get back. And when you start taking steps towards that, not only does it get clearer, but so much confidence starts to arise within you. Like the example that I think about is with the podcast. Um, like I graduated college like three weeks ago. And it was the last day of school. And everyone that I knew from my time at college, there, there was like a huge party. and Everyone's going to it. But I had a big podcast at 8 a.m. And obviously, I didn't go out. I stayed home, just focused up, listened to a podcast, and went to bed early. And when I woke up that next day, the amount of confidence that I brought into that conversation, because I know that 99% of people would have went, stayed up late, and had a mediocre conversation. And like maybe it would have been fine. Maybe there would have been no difference. But once you're on that path of actually doing the thing and doing the thing all out, it builds up so much confidence within you. So much anxiety and lack of confidence comes from just not listening to that voice in your head, right? That obsessed voice in your head so much. Yeah. There's a quote from Taylor Sheridan, which is the creator of like that show Yellowstone. Okay. And it's something along the lines of most people fail in life because they don't listen to the whispers. So good. That's so good. And it's just truth. Like we we all feel this. It reminds me of like the hero's journey archetype. Mm. And it's like you get this call, but most people don't don't take that call. Yeah, the whispers, the voices, whatever you want to call them. Like it's it's all the same story. And that's actually good for. I should figure out a way to put that in like the path of obsession, the voice or the whisper, because it's like that actually is a huge part of it. Give me a good idea. I'm gonna think about that. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's really good. I love that quote. How similar do you think the path of obsession is to the hero's journey? It's probably super similar. Yeah. Like I, I don't know the. I kind of know about the hero's journey, the the cycle. Yep. Um, I don't know if offhand, but I bet you it's super similar. Bet you it's just a different branding for it. Yeah. Probably, but that's okay. Most of most of self development, most of most knowledge is just the same ideas with different branding. 
<laughs> right? It's true. It's so true. <laughs> I mean, People don't dude, realize on Twitter, that. the worst thing about Twitter right now is like blankpreneur. Everyone wants to make up their own type of entrepreneur. It's the worst. It's it's so annoying. I I actually like some of these people, so I'm not going to call them out specifically. But just like, I don't know, putting like someone who likes plants, they'll put plantpreneur or mompreneur. It's just like, no, stop this. Stop this madness. I hate it. Oh, man. That and the solopreneurs. Those, I was going to say those solopreneurs. Out. Those are my words. This is my new like enemy. There's like, I love having enemies. It's just really fun. And like when I was, this is a funny story. When I was younger in the gym, like in the dark place, when I was really lifting a lot, I'd always have a gym nemesis. Someone in the gym. <laughs> That's a great story. This is common too. Every, you're working out and there's a guy in the gym who's your gym nemesis who mm-hmm. you never talk to him. You don't know his name. Um, but he's just in the corner lifting similar weights to you, similar like body type, but he's just going a little harder than you. And now you have to go a little harder than him and it's a competition. And, you know, you're always there the same time as him. Even when you go at random times, he's always there. Why is that? Why this is that your competition. You know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, it's kind of like the gym crush too. Like everyone has a gym crush, but no, you also have the gym nemesis, yep. this guy there. And then this is, dude, you're bringing me back some good memories. I was at LA Fitness, Smithtown, New York. This is where I fell in love with lifting. And my gym nemesis, I saw him outside of the gym at a wedding. What? And he was so not nice to me. So he definitely knew that I was not. He, he was so like rude to me. He definitely knew we were nemesises, nemesises. He knew we were enemies. Um, there was just something. Uh, yeah. I wonder how he's doing now. I hope terrible. No, I'm just kidding. But but um, I don't remember what we're talking about. But it's <laughs> talking about solo producers. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, it's fun to have enemies. It's just more interesting. It is. And I find that for like the sauna. That's like very, very good. I'll cut, go into the sauna. And if someone comes in the sauna, after me yes i have to i have to out i have to out sauna them even if they come in after you i mean if they come before in, in before me yeah some before sorry. yeah yeah after would be like damn you're, you're really psychotic um, but uh no the solopreneur thing needs to end it's like all the big solopreneur uh, i'm like too deep in the twitter game like uh, yeah, world because i'm talking about this i'm like i shouldn't be talking about this but like all these solopreneurs who like the big ones who like sell these courses they all have like massive teams mm-hmm. and like if they don't have a massive team they like employ their wife and like people you know offshore who cost like you know eight dollars an hour it's like or four dollars an hour it's like these aren't solopreneurs they're just like smart people who hire contractors it's like it's really rare to be a successful solopreneur and the real issue isn't that that's fine that and the issue isn't even people uh the issue isn't even people preaching solopreneurship and like selling courses for it when they're not that's fine but the issue is like young people thinking they want to do that thinking they want to like be this like uh what's it called uh like one person business mm-hmm. but that's not what young people should be doing most people if you're ambitious you should be like i mean it depends like, like even you like you want to have a pod, big podcast you're not going to do it alone you're going to need help you're going to need people to help you edit you're going to need people to help you film you're going to need you know what i mean over time and if you want to have a big enough mission and so and i think you're young like my my goal like what i'm kind of after now is like i want to have like a small team in person team uh, like six to seven people of just savages you know savages who are like generalists and can do a lot of shit um and then you know leverage you know contractors as well that's kind of my my goal because i've seen some people doing that really well um but i don't want to be solo don't be solo you can do so much more with with friends and partners um i think young people like especially like i said i'm too deep in like the twitter world right now but i see a lot of people going down that path and it's just not when you're in your early 20s i don't think it's the path 
my biggest like thing that frustrates me with that whole Twitter world <laughs> is the imitation game that's going on. Yeah. And it's like everybody has that like profile picture that's copying Danco. Do you know yeah, what I'm talking about? Kinda. And like, everyone has like the same bio. It's, the, it's all the same. It's all the same. And they're all just trying to copy these like four or five top creators. And um, you're never going to win that way just because there is no competition when you're being yourself. Like that quote from Naval that I don't even want to say right now because I'm going to butcher it. But there isn't any competition when you're just being you because by definition, you're one of one. And when you try to be someone else, there's a ton of competition in that. So, you know, it, it just goes back to being yourself. And it's something that with the animations is interesting to see. Did that frustrate you at all when you were seeing so many creators come in and see the success you were having and then try to play that game for themselves? Yeah, it's I, I don't think about it much because like I didn't this my style is still pretty similar to like uh you know Naval, who mm. like he doesn't really do them anymore, but he inspired yeah, yeah. me a lot, and he was inspired by and like worked with Jack Butcher, Visualized Value. That's mm. really who the style is from. Yeah, when that. you think about it, that's really the style. Yeah. It's like minimal black and white. Um, yeah, and then Danco started just basically copied mine completely, um, which is fine. Like so many people have copied. It's it's just all the same. It's all very similar. I think ours like the quality stands out still. I think and the scripts stand out. You know, I try to. I just look at results. Like, I mean, yeah, we're a bigger account, but like, we're still crushing the views on everybody. We're about to rip past Dan because Dan's not really doing them anymore. So, like, that's fun. Even though it doesn't matter. Like, I just love the competitiveness. Like, I want to be the biggest. And like, because Dan had what, like, that one video that went super viral, mm -hmm. got like 30 million views. So, that like, the amount of followers he gained from that is crazy. But in the end, none of this shit matters. None of the followers matter. That's why I don't get too attached to it. Like, yep. we talked about earlier. But, it's a fun competitive game um, to be great and to put out a lot of work. Um, so, yeah, it didn't really bother me. It does motivate me though. It's it's a good thing. It motivated me to like try to be better and be be a little different and make more types of stuff. You know, um, yeah, no. So it does doesn't bother me. Yeah, and obviously, like it's such a fun game to play, but it doesn't matter in the end. So, like, what are those things for you right now? Like, what are your ultimate values that the things that your like non negotiables are? Really, there's two right now. It's, um, like I said, taking this attention I have on Instagram, which is like crazy, and using it the right way. Like, mm. you know, like not wasting it. So it's like, uh, number one is like, I need to do more long-form content, stuff like this. Um, building a newsletter, right? And uh, that, and then just monetizing the right way so that I can, because right now I'm kind of limited with like how much I can make just because, you know, I already have a, a team I'm paying a lot for um, who's helping me create. And so I want to make more of that. To do that, we need to bring in more money. And so, um, yeah, it's like those two things are my focuses right now. It's not like really the numbers. But it also is the numbers because that's what feeds everything. It's like I want to be one of the biggest creators on the platform this year. I think we will. I want to hit $3 million. That's my my number one goal, which I think we'll hit easily, um, especially once we've been kind of – my goal is to always be consistent five videos a week. We have not done that in a while um, just because of different projects. But um, we'll get back to that, and then that's when we'll really rip. But yeah, so that's my that, those are my two focuses right now is like yep. longer form content and then monetizing the right way. And going back to that beginning stage where you were only posting other people's stuff, yeah, and it took you a while to like find that voice for yourself. How how did you find that voice for yourself? 
you definitely find it through other people's voices, you know, sharing quotes. About, I shared a lot of like Andy Frisella. Yeah. Um, but then over time, you know, he once shared like my own post, which I wrote, which was like, a, that was like that's the best cool. day of my life. I was like, he's like, best post you'll read all day. I'm like, that's great. And like, uh, this was like three years ago, four years ago. And uh, see, so yeah, I think those like little tests of your own things um, and then people, you know, like them. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, what was your question? How to find your voice kind of? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, like I said, I think finding it through the voices of others is, is a great way to start. You know, share what you love. That's how a lot of creators start, right? Like I think uh, Dickie Bush, right, on Twitter, he yep. just started like sharing threads of podcasts he was learning, he was, he was listening to. That's how he started. Yeah. And now he's like, you know, prolific as hell on Twitter. And uh, so, yeah, I think that's a good place to start for people. Use other people's voices to find your own. That's something that I don't think people realize when like, they look at people who are creating content. It's more like being a DJ than yeah. creating the music for yourself. It's yeah. like fusing these ideas that you find into this one compact thing that then is your own. But it's taking inspiration from a ton, ton of different places. It's a combination. Combination. And the one thing I also I'd say for creators, the most important thing ever that you could do is just finding small pockets of greatness that aren't being done at scale. This is the whole game. Like finding someone, something that worked that could have been executed 100x bigger and better. So like two examples, I mean, my example with Naval Ravikant stuff, I mean, I had a weird situation where I met the guy who was making them in person. Sick. Um, the clipped, clipped bros. But uh, that was an example. Like Naval was making these animations. They were doing pretty good, but not insane. They're doing well. And I thought I'd try it. Mm. So it wasn't, because it's really hard because if it, the results are that crazy, the person would just be doing more of them or mm. or someone else would have already copied it, right? So you have to find these small pockets where you see this like spike. You see something great that the world isn't noticing, right? And then you can take that to 100. Another good example is this guy. He's been going on a lot of podcasts recently. Um, you should try to get him on. Oliver, he sells the chocolate. Yes. You've seen yeah, him, right? definitely seen him. He'd be a good guest. Um He's like, yeah, I was just scrolling TikTok and saw like an ad for sex chocolate. But it was like from this, it wasn't even an ad. It was, sorry, it was just like a girl who found it at like a little sex shop in like Alabama. And he looked up the brand and he like didn't, need, didn't even have a website, right? So like that is a tiny pocket of greatness that he turned into now like a 10 million plus business because mm -hmm. he just did it 100x. So I think it's those two things. It's like doing it every day, like we said. It's finding small things that are not being done at scale that are working. And then it's, um, what was the other one I said? Uh, combining things that you love, you said. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'm thinking about that for myself right now. And there's a few things that come to mind. So it's always just a good reminder. Because like, yeah, what is like the, I haven't dug that deep. But what is like, what do you think is like the niche for your podcast? How would you, how do you describe it in a sentence? The, the sentence niche, is everything. Niche for the podcast. It is true. And it's, it's funny because it, it's, been a hard question to answer because I feel like I have so many interests that are so all over the place. And I wanted to almost take like this Joe Rogan approach where it's like, I'm doing this for me and my own enjoyment and love for it. So I'm not even going to try to niche down so much. But I think ultimately what it has come down to is it's a, pro a podcast about transformation. It's a podcast about getting better. And whether that's mindset, whether that's health, whether that's knowledge, it's just about transforming and taking the things that are in your head and creating something great out of it. I like that. 
I think it's cool to have a feeling you focus on. I forgot where I heard this recently, but it's like, if you can make your content leave people with a feeling, um, you know, they come feeling X and they leave mm-hmm. with this feeling. It's really powerful. So, you know, maybe, maybe you don't need a niche, but maybe you, like mine is like obsession, right? Mm-hmm. I want someone to read my post and like, even though it only takes a minute, they leave and like, okay, I'm going to go get after it. Yeah. And like, it like, you know, I think it's cool to have, maybe you don't need a niche, but you have a feeling. Like Danny says the same thing, or Danny Miranda, like mm-hmm. he doesn't have a niche. He's just going to build it around what he loves. And it, you grow long, it takes longer to grow that way, but you build something different. So I, I respect it. What do you think the feeling is for Danny? Like he lately he's been talking about going inwards. Yeah, definitely. The thing with these names is you just have to make them up over time and commit to them <laughs> and then change them. That's the truth. Like I had a different model before follow obsession. It was take the hard route. That was like my motto. It was in my bio. I made merch with it. People liked it. But then you just try new ones. You throw mm. out new words all the time. You have to throw out new words and terms all the time. I've been learning this. Like I try. I need to do it more, and you you throw them out with full commitment. That's the key, and you see what resonates with people. Um, like follow obsession is the best thing I've ever made in my life. It's like so many people posted, put in their bio. There's like a dude starting like a clothing brand. Kind of, I'm, I'm kind of, D- I'm gonna DM him though to tell him like, don't copy me directly because it's stupid. Like just like do something a little different. <laughs> yep. But it's sick. It's still cool. It's like it it's resonating with people a lot, and uh, but it's only after I've thrown out hundred different little terms and ideas. Um, like Sahil Bloom does that well too. He'll mm-hmm. always come up with these frameworks and give them fun names, you know? And a lot of those don't really resonate, but some of them really do. And so it's like, yeah, I, I think it's important. So like Danny, Danny will have, Danny will probably have a different thing in his bio for a long time, every few months, mm-hmm. right? But it's like over time, he'll f- find one that really works and he'll commit to that for a while. Yeah, you only... You only need one that really that really yeah. sticks and you can have those hundred failures if you play the game long enough. Yes, hundred percent. So let's go back to that valley of despair, like that dark place for you. Was there uh like what was that win in the dip that eventually kept you going? Like, did you have those thoughts of this is stupid, I'm putting in all this time, all this effort, it's not financially doing anything for me, I should stop. Yeah, it's it's hard. Like the so my story, I basically started two things at the same time. I started doing I graduated from school, started doing the photo booth business like full-time basically. I graduated and didn't do anything else. Um and at the same time that spring I started doing the content. So it was all that spring basically. I kind of started the business like a year before, but it was just super super small. I was in school. Um so it was like three things at the same time. And my life was so different. But I, there was rare, there were times where I, I I only fell off from the content once for like a month. I didn't post when I was like really depressed, like two years ago or three years ago. And, um, but I always knew I'd come back to it. There was never, ever even like a thought of stopping it. That's what I talk about when I talk about that blind commitment. Like it's one of those things that's hard to explain. It's like, I can't really explain it. Like I just started it and just never plan on stopping ever. You know what I mean? So it's uh, yeah. I the hardest things were with that with that company, the photo booth company. Um, you know, I'd, I'd drive all weekend basically. Now I wouldn't drive, but I I would drive really far and then do these events. You know, I would drive upstate seven eight hours and you know then home seven eight hours and I would just be in the car just like thinking about stuff. Right? Those are long times alone. Oh, yeah. And 
yeah, you just have to like, you have to put a trance on yourself that this is worth it. And that if you do this for years, it will pay off. And, and I would always, when I was at these events, I've I wrote about this recently a little bit, but I would, I would literally be standing there thinking about where I was going to be like now, which is like no photo booth, just creating, making content all the time. And, uh, took a long time, but it's just like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. There was like always that blind commitment that got me through the mm. dips because there definitely were dips, especially with COVID happened. That like kind of destroyed that business because it was like an event mm -hmm. business. And so there were really dark times. Um, but just this blind commitment kept me going. So it's like find that thing that you can commit to for decades. And uh, not, not many people have that. It's pretty rare. You know, like it's it might be common rare. with like you and me and like our circle, but it's in the general population, it's pretty rare. It speaks on the beauty of just being irrational. And I know that sounds crazy, but if you look at anyone who's accomplished anything great, it was totally irrational when they first had the idea. Yes. The first one that comes to mind is like the airplane and the Wright brothers. Like they said it would be hundreds of years before anyone be, would be able to create a plane. And they did it in weeks after that article came out or that newspaper article came out. And, you know, I think about that and it's, it's interesting because irrationality is not something that we think of in a positive, in a positive light. But, you know, like I have my own stories with it. I know Brett Ender is a great example of this with like, it's irrational to think that you could cure a disease by changing your diet when the whole medical system tells you something else. But there's just so much value in pursuing that. I almost want to call it intuition. Irrational intuition. Irrational intuition. It's a beautiful. <laughs> Could be phrase. a new word. <laughs> that might be That's it. That's a new niche. That's my new niche. Yeah, it is. It's definitely irrational. It's uh, the hard part is when you're young. That's where most people screw up. Is they have parents who don't understand the irrationality because mm. parents just want to keep you safe. They don't want you to achieve your dreams. Mm -hmm. It's like they say they want you to achieve your dreams, but they just want you to be safe and and happy and uh, comfortable because that's what that's what parents do. Um, I think parents also like are. How old are you? 22. Yeah, really similar ages. And it's just a different world. I don't think it was as easy to think irrationally. Like people weren't, there was no social media. There was no Andy Frisella on your, you know, on stories telling you to like think bigger. And uh, <laughs> so you have to really live in your own world, especially when you're younger, which is like, that's when you're making big decisions. That's when you're deciding what you want to do. And a lot of people let their parents' dreams over, you know, overcome mm. theirs. And so you have to keep that irrational, irrationality alive however you can. Because, um, yeah, this is all too crazy to be, you know, completely rational. Absolutely. And I want to go back to that place that you were two to three years ago when you fell into that depression. Because I don't think it's not talked about enough or not talked about that how many people are in that place. And getting out of that place is... Um, it's hard because it's it's a spiral. It's momentum taking you downwards. And you need to create that positive momentum. Take me back to, to that time for you. Yeah, the last time it was, I don't remember when, it, I'm trying to remember it because it was a while ago. But I had just been in, it was the dip. Like it was, I've been doing this thing for so long. I'd had my business for like three years, been making content for like three years. Still like wasn't making that much money from either. Um, and it just kind of hit me and it was hard. Um, 
I don't exactly remember how I got out of it. I have a thing where I don't remember my past very much. Like it's hard for me to even remember this stuff. Like past like a year ago, I swear. Like I, I feel like maybe that's normal, but I feel like I do it to like the extreme where like I don't even remember like playing soccer, but I did it for like two decades. Like it was all I did. And uh, like I don't really have a great answer for how I got out of it. I just kept going and, and things got better. You know what I will say actually is like, the friends friends kept me going like danny has been danny miranda has been a great friend to me and has helped we've been on like similar paths kind of as creators and uh you know me and him started talking like three years ago almost you know which is crazy um and yeah so the people i think really get you through it when you're really alone you know surrounding yourself with these you know obsessed people who are on the same mission as you who keep you thinking irrational that is like what i'd say to anyone who's really struggling um because, you know, other other friends will just tell you, like, it's okay, like, be comfortable. But you need that person. You need that person in your ear when when you don't have the voice yourself, I think. Absolutely. I think that's I how I got out of it. Did you have any difficulty finding those people? In the beginning, yes. Because even to this day, like, I don't, I don't go out of my way often. Like, mm -hmm. I don't reach out to people enough. I need to more. Luckily, now I'm in, like, a lucky place where... Um, I get contacted from other people. Like <laughs> people text me like, hey, I'm in the city. What's up? And um, just because I put out so much stuff, yeah. they just see my name. And I also put out a lot. I try to like post pictures in New York. So I think that is like another reason. But it's uh, that's a blessing of putting out content though. Is people just know you and think of you. So I haven't had to like, I always say don't network. Don't go to networking events. Just do shit on the internet and people will network to you. And that's the truth. That's 100% the truth. But if you really want to be smart, you do both. You you don't necessarily go to networking events, but you do great work on the internet, and you also, um, you also reach out, to reach people. out to people. Like the best habit you can do, I read this somewhere or learned, heard this somewhere. Just like when you like someone's work, tell them immediately, and just mm. don't ask anything else. So like last fall, when I really started like blowing up at the animations, right, a lot of sick people DM me because they're just like, "This is sick!" Like, congrats. But a lot of them wanted things. A lot of them. Um, Excuse me. A lot of them, a lot of them wanted help with animations, or they wanted to learn what I was doing. They wanted to pick my brain, which was great. Like I helped those people. But the real killers, right? Like the people really crushing it. All they did was message me and say, like, "This is sick. Like, great job. Keep going." That was it. That was it. Nothing else. And I'm learning. Like that is what the best do. They just put put their name in there. They just say, like, "Hey, this is sick. Great job." And now, boom, we're friends. Mm -hmm. I like you. Um, no expectations, nothing else. So like that, those are the two habits I'd say. It's like surrounding yourself with those people. It starts with putting something out, being interesting, doing something unique and valuable to the world. And then also, if you really want to compound that even more, is like just when you like someone's stuff, just send them a DM and say, this is sick. That's it. Gotta leverage the internet. Yeah. Have to leverage the internet. Because like we talked about earlier, those people are rare in real life. To find those people and to connect with those people and to befriend those people. It's hard if you're not out there on the internet grinding away, doing cool shit. It's it's hard to just find those people in daily life. Very hard. They're not really you're not really gonna find them on the street. You kinda have to go on the internet to find them. I think. What do you think your ultimate why is behind all all the stuff that you do? Like why my mission or why I do it like personally? Well that, you said why, so I'll answer that. Yeah, I think it's just like living up to this version of myself that I think is possible, which is probably, like I said, due to some like insecurity I has as a kid, right? That's what, like, and like I said, I have to go deeper down this rabbit hole, but 
that is what I think it is. I have this extreme version for myself. Most of the things I've I've dreamed of and like thought I wanted to do, I've done. Um, I have to, a lot more I need to do. I think I've created like one percent of what I'm capable of as like a creator, as a person. So now it's about like that. Like that is genuinely how I think about my stuff, um, which might sound crazy to someone else, but so yeah, it's about living up to that potential. That that's it. That's the whole game. Everything else is just like the results of that, right? Like the obsession. That's like the mission is like mm -hmm. spread that to the world. That is like this thing I was gifted that is just like resonates with people. I am so lucky to have found that. That's really the hard thing. Finding out Sh thing. Yeah, super hard. Um, like now I just have to build things off that, which is also hard. But I feel like finding this truth is is harder. Mm -hmm. Most people never ever find it. Like this idea that you can spread. Most people never find that. You know, like Tim Ferriss, he spread a lifestyle to the world. He gave people a way to live. That's a great example. Andy Frisella gave people a way to live with 75 hard, right? That's what these best people do. They create these books or these programs that become literal like Bibles, become religion to people. And so I don't know if I'm trying to do that, but maybe I am. And it's about how do I take obsession and, and put it in that. And yeah. it's like, yeah. So that, that's like the why and, and the mission. Yeah. I'm excited to see how that pans out on a big enough time frame. We'll see. I'm hopefully next time we do a podcast, there's my goal with like podcasts is like if I go back on them is like have done a lot of shit between them. Sweet, so sweet. that's a great idea. Yeah. Great way to think about yeah. it. Well, Zach, dude, this was a blast. This these two hours absolutely flew by. And um just grateful that you took the time today. Definitely. Thank you, man. Great questions. Thank Killed you, bro. it. I appreciate that.